Hello and welcome back to One Piss Mom. I'm your host, Christy. This is episode two. Episode two is going to blow your mind. So get you a drink, get you in a comfy place, and make sure you have headphones on because trigger warning. Before we do get started, though, I just want to say thank you for all the support. I put this out to you all saying, hey, I started something new and I got so much love and support, so much feedback. I truly, truly appreciate it. If you would like to continue to help me, wherever you listen to podcasts, go and subscribe and rate. Once again, thank you for all the love. We'll get started right after this message from the sponsor. All righty. Episode two is about Michelle Blair. Yeah, her name may not ring a bell to most of you, but I'm sure her crime does. Michelle Blair is the Detroit mom who placed two of her four children in a deep freezer and stayed there two years later living with them in the deep freezer. I know what you're thinking. That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And that is exactly what I was thinking. And I'm still thinking, but in between all that, there's a lot to this story. Michelle Blair, growing up, she said she stayed with her mother. And during that time, she was sexually abused by a family friend. She said that she went to her mom and let her mother know. Her mother, quote, said, What the fuck do you want me to do about it? It's happened already. Michelle says she didn't know how to react to that. It hurt her so bad and it kind of shook her trust and her love and her security. She didn't know what to do. Not only did her mother respond in that way, but she also stated that her mother also let this person continue to come to the house. So after letting her mother know that, she still had to be around this person and her mother remained friends with them. So if you can imagine getting enough, getting enough, you know, courage and being brave enough to tell your parent that this is what's going on with you and they completely ignore it and then continue to bring the person around. I think that that started a fire within her that, and she admits that this is what caused her to become as violent and as just mean and angry as she was. I think that that started the fire and, you know, caused her to end up where she is now today. Let's fast forward a bit where she's got four kids. She's got two older daughters by one gentleman and two younger sons by another guy. Um, These guys are completely absent. They come around whenever it's basically convenient, whenever they have a bit extra, but not just, they're not there on a, on an actual basis where they are there every single, you know, on a consistent basis, excuse me. And she's struggling. She's got four kids. She is collecting, you know, food stamps and money from the state and she's still working and she's struggling big time. And the good thing for her was that her two older daughters were old enough and the gap was big enough that they could babysit the two younger boys, which was awesome for her because we all know that childcare can cause a grip. Put a big dent in your pocket. So this was huge for her. So of course, like most of us do, most of us parents do, when we get that older child that's big enough, you know, you teach them and you hope that, no, you don't hope, but you you teach them that responsibility to be able to take care of their younger siblings, especially while you're at work. And eventually when you're able to kind of get some freedom, every mom needs that. All parents need that eventually to be able to step out and get a breather and after you've raised your kids to a certain age, they can kind of watch themselves. That's exactly what she was doing. She was allowing her older daughters to watch her youngest sons. 
She came home from work one day and she was met by her oldest daughter. So she has an older daughter and then there's Stoney, who's 13, and then there's Steven, who's nine, and then there's the other 16, six-year-old, excuse me. So while I did find out the two, the, the oldest daughter that's 17 and the youngest son that's six, I did find out their names. I'm uncomfortable releasing them because they're still alive and living through this trauma. And I think the only thing that could be worse than that is people actually knowing who you are. So her 17-year-old daughter comes to her and says, you got to see what the six-year-old is doing with his wrestling men in the room. She goes in the room and he is performing like a sexual act with the, the wrestling. He's making them to do it. So she asks him, what is going on? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And he lets her know that this is exactly what me and Steven does. Now, Steven is nine. He's six. So while there is a small gap, they're still very, very young. She calls Steven in the room and it's her, Steven, and the six-year-old. And she's like, what's going on? Everything that the six-year-old said that Steven did, Steven admitted it. He said that he would climb on top of him in the back and hump him like a basketball. And this is how a six-year-old, you know, in his mind, this is how he is explaining it because this is how he thinks of it. His mind is not ready to discuss sex because he has no idea what he's talking about. He also stated that while she believed that he was having issues wetting the bed, she went and got him one of those thick plastic sheets. It actually wasn't him wetting the bed. It was Steven. Instead of going to the bathroom, he would just jump down off their bunk beds and pee right on his brother. He would pee in his eyes. She said that he had eye infections. And once he said that he had a gooey, like something gooey got in his eye. And she was horrified because she knew that that meant that her nine-year-old, Steven, had ejaculated into his six-year-old brother's eyes. Terrible. Very terrible. This made her so very angry. And she also said that he let her know that her six-year-old let her know that he would drink the blue juice from downstairs under the cabinet. And she's thinking, blue juice? She goes down there and it's actually Windex. In her mind, she listening to her speak, she couldn't wrap her mind around why or where they had got this from. She just could not understand what would make you think of this. She was so angry. I don't think that she stopped for a second to really, really think. And so she immediately jumped into abusing Stephen, torturing him, punishing him. This is what she thought that she should do. She felt like she had raised a demon who was who was torturing someone younger than him and that eventually he'll get older and become a sexual predator. She put him in the bathtub. She got scolding hot water. She poured, poured the scolding hot water all over him. And she said, especially around his genitalia area where he and his skin started to come off. That's how bad she was scolding this little boy. I mean, you imagine a nine-year-old. She said that she was feeding him because she didn't want to kill him. She really just wanted to teach him a lesson. Um, and she also made him drink Windex. Um, her six-year-old was would have stomach issues and diarrhea and she started to think back to what was causing all this and she realized that she was missing these signs and it wasn't that he was sick in any way it was that his 
his brother was feeding him Windex. So she wanted to show him. And so she was doing the exact same thing to him that she felt like, you know, his brother had went through. She was giving him that same kind of, kind of torture. So she was feeding him Windex. And once his brother said that while his, his, while Stephen was on him, he would push his face down into the plastic sheet on his bed and he couldn't breathe. So what did she do? She went and got a grocery bag and placed it over Stephen's head. She realized that she had went so far and she said, you know what? I better back off because, you know, I'm not trying to kill Stephen. It was far too late for that. He was already so far gone that he had died. Once she went in the room and realized that he was dead, she went to her youngest, her other three children and let them know, you know, mommy's going to have to go away because I've done something, something really bad and your brother's dead. Stephen's dead. And she said that her six-year-old came to her and begged her and cried and said, Mommy, please don't leave me. And she said that was all that she needed. At that point, she decided to wrap Stephen's body up and place him in the deep freezer in the home with every, all the rest of the children. A couple of months later, she finds out from her six-year-old that Stephen wasn't the only one in the home doing these things to her, to him. Stoney was as well. Stoney at the time was 13. She learned that Stoney was actually the ringleader in all this. So it started with Stoney and Stephen behaving, you know, improperly. They were um, doing sexual things. They were they were taking the six-year-old's food. Um, and Stoney was kind of the ringleader. So she kind of brought Stephen in on the bad behavior. She was, I mean, as much as a 13-year-old can, I imagine that somebody was bringing her in on the bad behavior as well. But the the six-year-old was letting her know that they would be having sex. And then eventually they moved into make, making him watch and then making him join. This was more than she could deal with. She became so angry. And I believe that she was a bit, she was, she was angry, but she was a, she was having some feelings of guilt as well, because I think she realized that her son, Stephen was a victim as well as her six-year-old. And before she even thought to ask the older children what was going on, she had already tortured him and killed him. So that anger was sitting deep in her with her daughter, Stoney. So she she did some of the worst torturing to Stoney. She said that she would beat Stoney with a two-by-four. She would also pour scalding hot water on her. She was starving Stoney. So each day, Stoney got maybe a small cup of oatmeal which I believe was probably just enough to keep her alive, long enough to torture her. She tied a belt around her neck to choke her. She And and she was asking Stoney, why, why, why? And I think once she was, the little girl was so upset and she was crying and she let her know, I hate them. I think that was it for her mother. She realized that there probably was no coming back from that and that she would go on to violate and torture and and do these type of things to other people and so she intentionally then killed her 13 year old daughter stoney she admits it she lets you know she says she'll do it again there's no shame to her she she in her mind she was ridding the world of sexual demons period and that's it and there's no room for that she had been through it nobody had done anything for her 
and she she felt her son's pain and so she wanted to make sure that she took care of it the way her mother didn't so she takes Tony's body wraps it in plastic puts her in the deep freezer about two years go by these children are not being seen by anybody they're not you know nobody is looking for them hard enough where in two years Nobody is, the, the the alarms don't go off and say, hey, we haven't seen these kids in two years. She's given excuses to a couple of the family members that come looking for the children. And the crazy thing is that the couple of times that the two older daughters, their father came to see them. He was only able to get the oldest daughter with excuses as to why Stoney wasn't available. And he took those excuses. He accepted them. He went two years, well... You know, probably longer than that without actually laying eyes on Sony. So she's still struggling, even with the two children while she's, they said that she was, she was getting food stamps for all of the children. She was getting, you know, a small amount of money from the, the, the children's father, not much, um, but she was still struggling. So it came a time where she was evicted from the apartment that she was living in and she couldn't pay. And so she was taking odd jobs, including babysitting. I I wonder what this woman was like before, where she is the person that you would choose to babysit your children. Because she seems so angry. If you go and you Google her, Michelle Blair, she's so angry. And I'm not sure if she's just angry at this situation or if she's just an angry person. I imagine that. She has some serious anger issues, and this just kind of threw her over the edge. So she, Michelle, she didn't pay the rent. She got evicted. It came a time where the sheriff's office could come and physically put you out. So she wasn't there. She was away babysitting with her two other children. They came to remove her things from the apartment, and that's when they stumbled upon the deep freezer and found the two bodies. They went and arrested her. She wanted, she did not want to cause any more issues. She didn't want to have a big trial. She wanted to admit her guilt, be sentenced. And she knew that she would probably die or never see the light of day, period. She was fine with it. She gave her complete confession to, to the courts. And I, I urge you, if you heard of this story and judged initially, I urge you to go and listen to her testimony. So they asked her, you know, how, how could you? And she very passionately explained all of the horrible things and all of the horrible ways they had treated her youngest son and how horrible she felt for leaving him there and and him being traumatized and how she felt like she had these demons living in her home and that she was about to eventually release to the world and she couldn't do it. She talked about how, how Stoney had, um, of course had the threesomes with her brother, but she was also on her cycle. And when she was, she would take the pad and squeeze it out and in her, on her brother's face and in his mouth. Those are some of the things that she just couldn't she couldn't stomach and she couldn't get over and she felt like she needed to do something about it. And that's what she felt like she did. She could, she did by killing her, by torturing her and killing her. 
So, of course, these the, the two surviving children each has their own father. Each of the fathers have lost a child as well. Now they come back into the picture. This is sensationalized. It's all over the TV. Here they come saying, I'm so sad. My kid is missing and she's not having it. So she was able to attend the parental court hearings. And she said, you know, well, I did what I did and it was terrible. And I'm accepting my, you know, my punishment for it. You guys were not there. And, and I feel very strongly about the first step. The first and the easiest step is just to be present. If you don't have any money, if you have nothing to offer, just be present. And they weren't. And she felt the same way. And she said that they would call and they would cry and they would beg these these fathers to come and help. And she would do what she could do to get them to come over. And they would not do it. They wouldn't come. They were too busy, as the assistant district attorney said, living their best life, living their best life. And now you show up and now you want custody. Well, absolutely not. Neither had their own home. Neither had their neither had a job. Both owed thousands and thousands of dollars in child support. They were not prepared, nor had they ever been prepared to be fathers to these children. Stoney's dad once said that when he got her to the house once before, he noticed that there were bruises on her. And he noticed, and, and she told him that her mother had hit her. And no, she, he said that he, he didn't say anything because he didn't want to start any arguments. I mean, I think that your children deserve, the, the least you can do is start an argument about the abuse that your children, that they're going through. That's the least that you can do. So the judge wasn't having it. They The judge suspended everybody's parental rights. Nobody. So the children, they, they lost both fathers and their mother. And now they're living with a great aunt. Um, so at this point of the story, I'm not at all thinking that I agree with her or I can feel her pain or that I'm okay with the way she behaved. But I looked at it in a different way when I when she told the story on all of the terrible things that her that Stony and Steven had been doing to this 6-year-old. I mean, you look at this little bitty precious 6-year-old, you know, at that point they they, they got missing teeth in the front and you know, it's that kindergarten where they're not speak they're not they're not saying their words right still and she felt like she had to do for him what wasn't done for her. And I think that the way she treated Stoney and Steven, it was because of her anger for what they had done to her six-year-old and for what wasn't done to the person who had sexually abused her. So they kind of got all of her wrath. And and I don't think that she that she quite understood that she was taking her pain out on them. So she she said her la- her last well first let's talk about the funeral. Um okay no. So I was there with her. I'm sorry. I was there. I'm all over the place with this story because there's so much. I mean, my mind changes by the second when I'm talking about this story because it's just so crazy. So I'm here with her. 
I'm with her. I'm like, not with her at all, but I'm like, okay, well, you're crazy, but we see why. Like, we can understand why something would drive you so crazy. Well, then they interviewed the two surviving children. The two surviving children said that they were beat. They were pulled for school, from school when they wanted to actually be in school. They lived in terror. They were constantly abused. So even before she knew about what was going on sexually in her home, she was a terror to live with. She was a, a, a terror of a mother to live with. And I think that and, and she never really addressed the fact that her children, or that her children said that they that she physically abused them. And I think it, it may have been because, you know, well, yeah, I did physically abuse them. And but what was done to them in a sexual way by Stoney and Steven, what was done to my six year old was so much worse that we don't even need to address the fact that I was physically abusive because look at what they look at what these two did to my kids. And I think that is very important that you address it because Stoney and Steven were they were also physically abusive to the six year old. They would steal his food, you know, they would beat him up, they were throwing him down the stairs, they were doing all kinds of stuff to him. So it is absolutely important that you address and that you take responsibility for the physical abuse that you were that that you were inflicting much before before all of this blew up in your home um and that's when she completely lost me because you were already abusing these kids you were already it was kind of like they were just acting out in a way probably angry that they were that they had to live with you angry that you were so mean and you were so abusive and angry that their fathers weren't around and doing anything. So I try my hardest when I'm researching these cases and talking about them that I can, that I remain open-minded and try not to judge. And I'm not necessarily judging her. I'm giving my opinion on the situation. And I, I, I feel like she dealt with them. She dealt with them the way she wanted her mother to deal with the person that sexually abused her and you can't do that they're your children they're your children and their kids their minds aren't even completely developed yet so they they talked about the funeral and at the funeral they said it was packed it was standing room only family from all over because this was a big time this is a big time case it was all over the news I feel like all of those people should have been knocking down those doors when the, for those two years that those kids were missing. Like, where were you? Where were you? Where were you? Um, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I think the, the, the biggest lesson in this is deal with your trauma. Even if it's trauma from a, you being a child, even if it's, you know, even if it's trauma from you being an adult, I think that a lot of us today have a lot of trauma that we need to deal with. I've I've talked about uh, the whole Black Lives Matter movement and watching men die on TV before my eyes. And it's very, very traumatic. And I have to learn how to deal with it. We all need to deal with our trauma because you never know when it's going to come back and how it's going to show up. And I believe that she didn't deal with her trauma 
as a child. And so when she saw that sexual abuse come back up, she she lost it in the worst possible way. Her la her quote she said, speaking of Stony, she says she had to fucking go. Period. I damn sure as hell wasn't gonna let my youngest son grow up mad as hell all the damn time. When really she should just put herself in that quote because that means that she grew up mad as hell all the time because she felt like that her mother didn't do what she was supposed to do as far as protecting her. Um, I, I, another lesson from, from me is from as a parent, you know, pay attention to your children and address the trauma, address address those situations that come up that kids are hurt by because you never know how it's going to we you never know how it's going to appear later down later on in life we have to deal with we have to deal with the trauma and I believe that she is probably the worst case of not dealing with trauma and then then it's showing up again and she did the absolute worst thing by torturing and killing her children she also didn't look to Stoney and say, who did this to you? You're 13. Where did you get this from? Because I am sure somebody had done something to her. Positive. I mean, 13-year-old, she saw that stuff somewhere. She experienced that stuff somewhere. And I think that she, that Michelle was so upset and so angry and so furious with what had happened to her that she couldn't stop for a beat. And try to figure out who had hurt her children sexually. Because we knew that she was hurting them physically. And you think about the generational trauma that she has put on her kids. Like that six-year-old. I pray that he's somewhere getting some, 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 some therapy somewhere. Because not only was he sexually abused by his older brother, his older sister... He also watched his mom physically abuse everybody and was physically abused himself. And then he watched her torture her own children, hearing them scream in the bathroom, uh, him being starved. And then to know that he lived two years in a home with his dead siblings. It's, you know, you have to make sure he knows that this is not an okay way to live. So I do, I pray that he is getting the help that he needs because it's very necessary, very, very necessary. Um, that is the end of this episode. I hope that you will, I do have a Facebook page. It's One Piss Mom on Facebook. I do have a group as well. If you want to join in the discussion, please let me know what you think. If you have a completely different opinion, I'm totally fine with that. I want to hear it. This is just me having a conversation with you. Um, and hopefully we can get a lesson from every single conversation that we have. That's my goal. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.